Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Someone has finally come up with the best possible Monopoly strategy. You know, Monopoly is a board game that we all know, but nobody wants to play. And once it started, it never ends. Right, yeah. Um, and many of us have a strategy going into the game, you know, a way we think we can win this and win quick. But this person has uh, worked through this system for some time and says these are the steps to make you a successful Monopoly player almost all the time. Okay. Person says always buy everything you can. Seven turns into the game, money becomes worthless in comparison to your properties. Gotcha. And always play by the real rules. So if a person chooses not to buy the property, it's auctioned to the highest bidder. Gotcha. Never buy the cheap by the properties. Way, almost no one plays by those rules. Right, right. right. Although we, well, I told you how we do, we double yes, everything up and I all know. of that. Never buy the cheap properties, utilities or railroads, with the intent of completing the set. Instead, use them as trades with worse players who think they're good. Gotcha. Railroads in particular are very in demand, but awful unless you get all four. Everyone sees point. that as like an escape avenue right. throughout the game, right? Like, yeah. oh, I got one more spot of reprieve. Uh-huh. The most valuable properties, the oranges and reds, because that's where most people land after getting out of jail. Okay. And get a full set of those properties as soon as possible and put four houses on each, never a hotel. As per the rules, once the houses in the box are gone, nobody can get any more. Right. And therefore, nobody can build hotels. Gotcha. So you can cut others off. By oh. Doing so there you go. Yeah. You know, you know what would be interesting is to have now like a big adult game. Like you can have that in your family now. Mm. Like an adult game yeah. of Monopoly. Because my the problem I have is the kids now want to play it. Mm. But you know, I can't. They're I can't. Young. They're, they're still too young. They're too young to understand anything about strategy with it. Yep. You know, and then I'm looked on as the bad guy when I'm making bad trades with them <laughs> and dominating the game. Adrian wants you to give them boardwalk yes, and yes. trade it for a railroad. <laughs> All right. Let me make this move. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I get you know it's funny cuz you're right. We we played it with our boys when they were young and it always ended up in tears and it was usually me right. who was the one crying out of frustration, but you also saw I did try to play with my growing son. You saw the video. I still got very upset. <laughs> you, now you're the one who's yeah, stomping right. around. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pay your university feed you. This is the way you treat me. Yeah, I guess we could now that because uh, my oldest son, uh, Daniel, is back from England. Him and his girlfriend are going to be moving in with us uh, in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Right. I am really pushing for another Godfather Sunday mm. once the fall uh, kicks in. We we did that years ago where we uh, watched them all in one day and ate, uh, you know, Italian pastries for breakfast and drank espresso and then had or the... Or going to wonder what family she's moving into. <laughs> oh, she knows already. Oh, I'm, okay. sure she, I'm sure she's already got the real estate magazines open. <laughs> Looking for rentals around Oshawa. <laughs> They'll live with us for about two weeks, and she'll be like, okay, I, I'm out. I've, I've really had enough of you people. Anyhow, there you go. Just uh, some uh, some tricks. If you're still playing Monopoly, if that's a thing, there's how you win. Don't buy the railroads. Don't buy the utilities. Buy up those orange and red ones. No hotels. Huh. And you'll have that game over in about seven to eight weeks. Uh, ladies, uh, if, you, uh, have the, if you're in the habit of... Um, Peeing in the shower, there is a uh, doctor who specializes in your pelvic floor muscles. Okay. And she says you shouldn't be doing that 
because peeing in the shower could eventually lead to leakage. Uh, that's not good. No. Leakage in no. Any, any I, The word in general is just bad. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, basically, she says women's bodies aren't designed to pee standing up, and doing it too much trains your pelvic floor muscles to let you do it, which you don't want, especially as you get older. Other bad habits include peeing when you don't really need to, hovering when you're in a public bathroom, so you don't want to put your bum down on the seat. Right, yes. And pushing your pee out really hard. Uh, so does this mean men can pee in the shower and not worry about it? Well, yes and no, says this doctor. Obviously, men peeing, uh, pee standing up most of the time. Uh, but even for guys, there's a reason not to do it in the shower. It trains your body to associate peeing with running water. Right. So you go to Niagara Falls, you're just going to have a lot of leakage. I don't know. Anyone knows who's had a baby. Like, your feet hit water as a guy, mm. and, and the pee's coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I remember we put a fountain, one of those fake little fountains in the pool. Oh, no. That thing makes me pee constantly. <laughs> That's right after I've had a dozen beers in me. I never understood people who put water features in their house yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Or like have a pond in the backyard. Yeah. I, yeah. I would just, I would be peeing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So, ladies, uh, you don't do that. And men, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be sticking kidney beans inside of your manhood. <laughs> this is a warning this that is a needed warning. to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was happening? This is what they did for one guy. Why? Yeah. Did they, were guys stupid enough to think that would help their kidneys? I don't know. No, no, this guy just thought it was would help his sexual gratification. Oh. You know, kidney stones are bad enough. If you've ever had to pass one, you know how painful it is. I don't know why somebody would shove them up up there for uh, for fun. But this 30-year-old dude. A kidney bean? Stuffed six of them into his little fella. A kidney bean? A kidney bean. They're not small beans. No. No, he pushed them into his uh, urethra. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and was hoping his body would expel them on its own. But it didn't work. The beans got stuck and he had to go to the hospital. <laughs> Doctors were able to remove them with a series of invasive procedures. No. He was no. lucky to walk away with minimal trauma <sighs> to his manhood. What a moron. Now, you would hope he'd learned his lessons, but he says that it's not the first time he's done this. Although, he says, he's never attempted this many beans before. <laughs> So do you do you like put them up there prior to prior to sex? Like is it for him? Is it to give it more of a rib to feel? How the hell do you get Ah. up there? How do you shove them up there? That's a very small hole. Uh huh. Is it a funnel? I don't know. I don't know the the things people shove in their bodies. Oh, all the pain. (laughs) Yeah, all the pain. I don't like the word trauma, (laughs) and I don't like the words invasive procedures. (laughs) <laughs> That'll cause leakage. That <laughs> this was interesting, and people uh, did a little research to find out which bands have the most popular T-shirt sales across all genres of music. All right, and AC/DC tops the list. Wow, young and old still love to uh, don the AC/DC T-shirts. No Zeppelin. Uh nope, didn't crack the top ten either. Really? Did, either to Metallica or Nirvana. What? Yeah, yeah. Aerosmith is on the list. Queen, Pink Floyd, Green Day, Bob Marley, Foo Fighters, Beatles, Prince, Ariana Grande. Green Day before Nirvana or Pearl Jam or any Mm -hmm. of those others? Interesting, huh? Wow. You know, I haven't owned a rock band t-shirt in a long time. And a couple of years ago, maybe less, I went and I bought a Nirvana one and a Rolling Stones one. I thought I haven't had one of these in a while. Mm. I couldn't believe how damn expensive they were. (laughs) I said, well, no wonder. I used to get them for free mostly, you know, along the way. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's interesting. ACDC is one of those bands that uh, they just, they continue to soldier on. You know, they're, young people still dig them, and of course, uh, grandpa loves them, and your dad loves them, and yeah, they really seem to carry on through uh, all age groups well, as well. It's simple arena rock, mm-hmm. right? Like, yep. you're still hearing it at every hockey game you go to, yep. in, in every arena, every setting. I think at the Olympics, they're playing ACDC in the background. Were they really? Yeah. Now, Scotiabank Arena, ACDC is a new band. Yeah. That comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's right. <laughs> Shanahan says, have you heard of this band, ACDC? Uh, duck Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Do you have a, a, a classic kind of rock band or a, a band, a T-shirt that maybe you're very fond of that you got at a show somewhere along the line? Yeah, I have a Nirvana one, like the smiley mm-hmm. face Nirvana. Um, I'm trying to think. I've got a couple of, yeah, like same thing, kind of freebie t-shirts yeah. that we've picked up along the way in this business. But my goodness, I don't have an ACDC one. I can tell you that. I, uh, I had a couple. I think I had one that I bought. I remember when I was younger and going to concerts, I always wanted to buy the t-shirt, you know, at the show because you're so excited about being there. And I remember the first concert I ever saw was the Van Halen and Diver Down tour in like the mid eighties or something. And so I had to have that t-shirt and I kept it for years. I wouldn't get rid of it. I was just sentimental about it. Uh, I lost it somewhere along the way, or somebody in my house got rid of it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have, a, I think, like a Rolling Stones, kind of like a sweater that I bought that I might as well have taken a car loan for. It cost so much when they first toured that Steel Steel Wheels tour in the late 80s. Right. I didn't get a T-shirt at my first concert. My first concert was Michael Jackson. At the X Grounds. Oh. And uh, what I got from it was, uh, remember, because I think, I don't know if the X was going on at that, but, but remember they had like those mirrors you could get? Yes. They kind of painted on a yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, logo of some sort. Yeah, I And I had was like Michael Jackson thriller, yeah. uh, but like but the eyes on it were so creepy <laughs> that I could never put it up. Before Michael Jackson was creepy, right. this mirror was creepy That's of Michael Jackson. Shocking creepy and Michael Jackson in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, those mirrors were really popular, especially with cocaine addicts. Yeah. But um <laughs> But they were they were really popular at the CNE. I remember having like I think a Led Zeppelin one and, uh-huh. and something else. The other thing too that was big at the CNE when I was a kid, which I guess it's not happening again this year, right? The no, X is not tough, happening. Yeah. Was the old Alice Cooper top hat. Now he first went with it, then Slash did it, but he used to have this top hat and they would put your name in this silver sparkle. Okay. So they'd glue it, like, and spell out Craig and then you'd spill all the sparkle over it and you'd wear this thing around the X like an idiot. Of course, <laughs> did, did you do it? Oh yeah, of course I did. I thought it looked good. <laughs> I thought it looked good. Hey, this is the same guy who had the leather cowboy hat from Sancho Pancho. You remember that story? What? <laughs> there was this, there was this store in the Bramalee City Center called Sancho Pancho. And they had this brown leather cowboy hat that I loved. I thought this was the coolest thing and would definitely get me laid. Brown leather? The brown leather. And it had, I think, like little images probably of like cows or something on it. And it was like a full-on cowboy hat. Who are you getting laid by in this? Oh, nobody. <laughs> nobody. I got nothing. Anyhow, I think the thing was like $60. And and I remember, and I, I don't know what I was. In I was, the mid, in like mid-80s? Yeah. I, no, I was probably like 12 or 13. Oh, late 70s. Early, wow. Yeah. I was probably 13 or 14. And it was 60 bucks. I think so. And I saved. And I every time I went to the city center, I'd put it on and I'd look at it Why? in the mirror. I'd stand there at Sancho Pancho. <laughs> And I'd put it on and I'd look at myself in the mirror. I love this hat. This story is so sad. It is. It's very sad. I saved my money. I saved my money. I bought that hat. 
I wore it, I don't know, maybe twice, and I think I lost it. <laughs> or somebody called me a name. <laughs> Way to go, Clint Eastwood. Where's your horse? <laughs> You'd look more like Poncho from Chips. <laughs> I believe that it's only about two two weeks or so, give or take, before the little ones are back in school. Uh-huh. Not far some, off. Some already are with the uh, the hybrid schooling system right? and stuff like that. What do we got? Some, some schools are open already. I guess uh, well, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah, three weeks till they're back. Countdown is on, and and I suggest, and I do this every year as we get closer to uh, to school returning, and I think more so now than ever after what we've been through. Moms and dads, make sure that on the eighth of uh, September when they go back, or the seventh of September when they go back, you take them to the bus, you see them on their way, and then you find yourself a patio. And a big cold jug of white wine, and you just sit there <laughs> in the peace and quiet of the day, and you let the teachers deal with it. And you go have a nap. Yeah. You wake up and get them. Go do whatever you want. You take that day for yourself. You make sure you book that day off of work. You say, look, I need a, a me day. And you do you for the day. Uh, so when they do go back, one of the things we got to get used to doing once again is making those lunches, preparing the, uh, the brown bag for the boys and girls. Oh. And uh, that can always be trying. That and the dishes that come home from it now. <laughs> oh, they're because, so gross, too. Well, because, you know, what's changed from our day as well is they've got this, like, literless lunch program now. Of course where, they do. Where uh, basically any garbage created from the lunch just comes home. Oh, so really? when the lunch bag comes home, it's a disaster Oof, in it. I can only imagine. Well, here's the thing that I used to do, I think, in many of us uh, when we were in school, is my mom would make my lunch, pack it all together, very nice. And a lot of the times, the whole damn thing went into the garbage, and I'd just go buy a pizza slice right. or a thing of fries oh, in, in so the cafeteria. Good. Why not? It was like two bucks. Yeah, or the fish and chips place uh, in the plaza, whatever you had close to you. I was actually, my high school was in a residential area, so there wasn't much around. But the, the lovely Maria, her high school was kind of in town, so she had like Burger King, McDonald's, all of them like within a walking, right. you know. I'm they, sure they loved that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Already in a lunch rush with the drive through now yeah. you get a bunch of screaming kids. If you can't make a pizza joint uh, survive around a school, give up. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the thing that the kids throw away the most, of course, are the vegetables. Uh, that's the number one thing. So if you give your kids like the carrots or something, you know. They end up, for the most part, in the trash. Right, then yeah. The, then the fruit. And then a lot of the main part of the meal, whatever the sandwich is. And then, funny enough, a lot of kids throwing out the uh, salty snacks or sweet snacks as well. That's odd. You think we eat the cupcake for lunch, and that's it. We get a lot of them coming back. Yeah. Because, again, you see now, because they can't throw out the, the stuff right. at home, right. uh, what comes back. And a lot of it is like a half-eaten sandwich, right. and they won't get to the snacks. You, just, you ask, like, why? Why didn't you eat the Oreos? Are you kidding yeah, me? They would have been first. Well, well, I'm pissed because they've gone to waste. <laughs> All right, and uh, and it's because, well, I was so busy to get outside and play. Mm. So we didn't have time. I, time is of the essence. That's right. Got to play kickball or whatever it is they do. These I'd be, what, I would be interested to know how many, especially at the high school level now, I mean, like, skip the dishes or Uber Eats orders mm. will be happening at lunchtime. 
I was shocked one day. I remember my boys both, either we forgot to give them their lunch or something happened. And around 10 a.m., I went, oh, geez, I, I didn't get the lunch together for the boys. So I scurried off to McDonald's and got a couple of Happy Meals or whatever. And I dropped it off at the school. And they had a table in the little reception area. I had to write their name on the on the, yeah. on the bag. There had to be 30 McDonald's bags <laughs> sitting there. That's all, yeah. all the parents you forgot. Yeah, no, for sure. And I remember two of my boys, they, they'd say something like, you know, we really like that Genoa salami or ham or whatever we were giving them. And it would just be that every day. A little yep. round bun, yep. slice of Genoa salami, and a hunk of cheese. Uh, I still have a tough time looking at a pastrami sandwich <laughs> from my high school lunches. Right, right. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, like I said, I threw a lot of them out. But my mom was probably like your basic ham and, you know, craft slice of cheese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A cookie or two. And a banana. Oh, hated eating the bananas at lunchtime. Evan's in for a rude awakening because he loves peanut butter. Right. But can't take it to school. Of course, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, it's all changing. Uh, so you're going to make a reservation on the patio for you and Adrian the day you <laughs> drop them off? It's going to go right into the bottle. Just start pounding at 11 a.m. Look who joins us. It's Teddy Reader for Holinda's Meats. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Ted, how are we? Not too bad, not too bad. I had the week off, and we had some uh, some family and friends over on the weekend. I decided to uh, do some ribs, so I went to Halinda's. I bought up a couple of few racks, and uh, because I charcoal barbecue, I'm always concerned about losing the uh, the heat and the temperature because the charcoal only lasts for so long, right, Ted? And uh, So what I did was I ended up putting them in the oven low and slow for a couple of hours, and then I finished them on the grill, but I would have liked to have done them all on the charcoal grill uh, from start to finish. What's some tips to doing ribs on a charcoal grill and keeping the uh, charcoal hot? All right. Well, if you're, if you're going to be smoking ribs on a, on a, on a charcoal grill, uh, one, you're going to need a, a lid on that grill. Okay. So you got a lid on your grill? Yes, I do. Yep. Okay, good. You're going to set your grill up for indirect cooking, which means you'll either put the heat on one side or you'll fill a basket uh, with the coals, and you keep the heat in one area, and you put the ribs in the other area. And I actually kind of did that. I took your trick uh, of putting a, a small piece of wood between the charcoal and the other side, and that also yeah. helped keep things going for a little longer. And and then your method is it, it's it's put it simple. It's it's called three two one. Okay. It's three hours of smoke, approximately, and then you wrap, and then you go for two hours in wrap, and then an hour to finish on the grill. Wrapping in so butcher paper process. or or a, a foil. What are you wrapping in, Ted? We wrap uh, at the joint. We wrap all our our ribs and our briskets and things. We wrap in butcher paper, mm. but you can use aluminum foil, double thick. So okay. you use two sheets and wrap them up. So you go. The essence is is that you're going to take that smoke and you're going to get the internal temperature of the rib up to about 165, 175, 170 degrees. That's in between the bone. When it gets to that temperature, then you're going to wrap it. You can put a little bit of uh, brown sugar, a little more barbecue sauce onto it, drizzle a beer, wrap it up, and then back in and let it go until really it comes up to about 195 internal temperature. Mm. Then you can pull them out and then onto the charcoal grill, indirect again, just light, and then move it over onto the, the coals, give it a char, give it a base, pull it off. They should fall right off the boat. Okay, so so you that, can't you can't really do it on do charcoal. You keep your charcoal going all yeah. day long. Yeah, you got to refuel, and to refuel, you don't want to just dump tons of charcoal in. You put a chunk in at a time, one, oh, okay. two little chunks, so that they catch on and continue that heat 
moving along. It requires work and patience, and mm-hmm. I know, Craigie, you don't have any of that. No, well, <laughs> no, a very little of it. But I'm also concerned, too, because, you know, the grill's there. It's got all the food on it, and I don't want to be trying to bring up the grill and dropping burgers and stuff on the ground. But, okay, just throwing in a kind of lifting it up maybe with the tongs and making sure you don't uh, you don't lose any food in the process and just throwing in a few chunks of charcoal as we go. Yeah, okay. or you can buy yourself a new grill grate that has uh, – where the grate itself can fold up, oh, okay. giving you access to dropping in to your coals. Okay, very good. Teddy, right? it's Teddy. a little modern trick they got going on. But your 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 charcoal grill comes from what eighteen seventy five, and it costs less than that too. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Ted, <laughs> one quick thing: can we go back to the start to just the buying of the ribs? Because uh, many of us, I, I find a difficult time sometimes because I want those big meaty ribs and. I never know what I'm looking for. Is it, it, you know, I know about baby back, but sometimes it's like a, a side cut or center cut. I see all sorts of little half cut Asian style. What, what are you looking for for a good meaty rib? Well, if you're looking for a rib, your, uh, first is the back rib. The back rib is the more, uh, tender rib, they say, but it's a little bit leaner than a side rib. And so with a back rib, you want to make sure that when you're looking at the rack, the raw rack, is that you don't see any bone on the showing through. Okay. That means they've taken a lot of the loin meat off, and you're really you're just down to the meat that's in between the bones. You want to have a nice coverage of meat on top of the bones as well. So if you see bones, we call them shiners, and when it cooks, uh, those will become brighter and brighter as the meat shrinks and you get more bones. So you want to look for good meat coverage on the top. Um, a side rib uh, has the breastbone or the hard bone that's on there, and there's more fat and more gristle. I prefer the side rib because it has more flavor over the back rib. Oh, okay. Um, cooks similar timing with it, and the the next cut that comes from that side rib is a St. Louis cut where they cut the hard bone off and they remove that breastbone, and you're left with a long rectangular rib where a, where a side rib is more like a big triangle. Okay. And both are very flavorful. Um, uh, a, a St. Louis cut rib or a center cut rib, side rib, is uh, really meaty, lots of flavor. you got to remember to take the membrane off the back, especially on the back rib, but also on the side rib. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so to take the membrane on, you flip it over onto its back. You're looking at the bone side. You take the tip of the knife, and you kind of start to pick up, uh, pick up the, the membrane with it to get a little bit up. Grab a cloth. And grab that membrane and pull in one long, quick stroke, and you'll peel that membrane right off the rack. That's going to help make your rib tender right off the bat. Leaving that membrane on tightens up and makes the meat tougher. Hmm. Okay, very good. Listen, Teddy, you're teaching us things here. We're learning. We're trying to. We're We're learning as we go. (laughs) All right, just go to Halinda's where they're already pre-basted and baked and ready to go, and I just got to throw them on the grill, and people go, wow, you're a great barbecue chef. And I go, yes, I am. Thank you very much. They don't realize that Halinda's has done it all for me. Or I could just come up to the joint, buy uh, ribs and such there, and bring them home. Perfect. And then tell everybody I made them. If uh, people want to talk to you, Teddy, about grilling, uh, talk about the joint, about El Dorado Golf Course, or any other thing, Revolved around the world of smoking and barbecue, how do they get a hold of you? You're going to find me in the social media world at Ted Grills and at Ted Reader Barbecue, the joint. Rock Mornings with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.